Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello and good evening, everybody, and welcome to Business Growth Secrets. Today, I've got a fabulous guest that I'm really, really looking forward to introducing, which I'll do so in just a moment. And he is the CEO of Ella's Kitchen, which I'm sure some of you may well have been familiar with, being that he's the market share leader now uh, for baby food in the United Kingdom. In addition to that, it's now sold in over 33 countries. The baby food market has been taken by storm by Ella's Kitchen, and the, the brains behind that, uh, certainly since 2018, is Mark Cudigan, and we've been bringing him on in just a moment and talking to him about the journey of Ella's Kitchen. I've had a quick chat prior to the, um, prior to the live tonight, and some of the perspectives are super interesting. And I think that, you know, one thing I was saying to Mark just a moment ago is that I'm noticing this big trend at the moment of businesses becoming much more conscious uh, environmentally. And in addition to environmentally, becoming much more con- uh, conscious of the community aspects of a business. Uh, so we're about to have a chat about all those different aspects in terms of branding as well, because this brand, Ella's Kitchen, is, you know, you can't miss it. it you, like Literally, it stands out. And the branding's amazing. Their social media following's great. Uh, their website's super fun. They've done some cool stuff. So I'm really, really looking forward uh, to hearing from Mark and his involvement in that. As you come on to Tonight. Make sure you say hello in the comments. Say hello to Mark. Uh, let us know if you're uh, somebody that's used um, Ella's Kitchen's uh, products. Uh, be super interesting to, to, to hear about that as well. And make sure you share this video tonight with anybody that you feel could benefit uh, from getting some business win- wisdom from somebody that's been behind building a £70 million company um, in the baby food market and achieve some incredible things. So big welcome on this evening to uh, Mark. And I'm going to bring him into the live stream right now. Welcome, Mark. How are you doing, buddy? You good? Yeah, I am very well, thank you. The only date that matters is the 8th of March when the kids go back to school. (laughs) 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 Apologies to interrupt this um, this recording, but that is the life we now lead at the moment, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, really really looking forward to this one. We had a really good chat uh, just a moment ago. And and obviously, I've I've given a bit of an introduction and insight to what it is that you've been doing. You've been the CEO now for, I think, since 2018. Is that correct? Uh, Well, I've been there since 2011. So just coming up 10 years. Oh, Um, 10 years. Yeah. Awesome. And you've seen some massive dramatic growth in, in that period of time and, and expansion. So there's, there's tons of us to talk about. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you come to be at Ella's Kitchen, some of the things that, that you've been doing there and, 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 and what it is that you love about, you know, what you're doing with that brand and the growth that you've had over that period of time? God, you know, I think that last part of the question, I could just talk about for the next 40 minutes, you know, why I love the <laughs> 
because I, I, I do, you know, it's totally transformed my life. I've been business all my life, so I'm, I'm 47, as my wife keeps telling me, I'm about to be 48. And, you know, it's just changed my, my whole perspective on what business can and what business should do. I joined the company because I met Paul Lindley, who was the founder. So we've just, just had our 15th year birthday at Ellis Kitchen. Paul very much set Ellis Kitchen up with a mission at its heart. So it wasn't set up simply to make money. We have our, our, our mission is, is to improve children's lives through developing healthy relationships with food. So it's all about health and nutrition. And yeah, I, I, I met Paul and was just hugely inspired by his vision for the company, what he thought business, how he thought business could operate and help solve some of society's problems. And we talked about the environment. We'll obviously talk about the environment quite a lot as well. So yeah, it, it's best place I've ever worked. When it's time for me to leave, because it will be time at some stage for me to leave and let someone else take over, you know, I think I can say quite clearly that it will be the best place I've ever worked. So you've enjoyed the mission completely. What was the mission? What was the outlook? What I love, and, and this is kind of what I was saying to you before, but I'll say now to the audience, is over the past few weeks, I've interviewed some really, really interesting people. And those of you that have been following this interview series, you're going to see some trends here in the companies that are making ground and getting great results really are focused on their purpose and focused on their mission. And mm. you said the mission really was making, you know, improving children's relationship with food, not about making money, which a lot of people going into business have this kind of perspective that if you're going to be in business, you've got to be ruthless, you've got to make loads of money. But instead, you're saying we come at a different angle. How can we add tons of value and actually do something here? And, and then we'll make money if we add enough value. Is that kind of how it was looked at? You know, and, and the money was almost just secondary. Is that how it came about? It just wasn't the purpose of, of why he set the company up. So, yeah, and, and I think, you know, I'll give you a really good example. You know, when the pandemic hit back in March, um, like most food and drink companies, we saw a massive spike in our sales. There's this huge panic buying. Um, and we were barely able to keep up with sales. But we realized like almost instantly in the first couple of days, we thought, well, our charity partners, people like Fair Share, who distribute food to people in need, they were going to like run out of stock, right? Because all of their food and drink partners were servicing the retail outlets with fair enough with their stock. And we we're like, okay, one of the first things we we're going to do is prioritize fair share and our other charity food partners. I don't think that's normal business practice, right? Normal business practice would be, well, we've got to sell as much as we can to the supermarkets and online and make as much money as possible. Well, the first thing we were like, no, 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 we've got to make sure that people in need and kids in need who need our products, who can't afford our products, have access to our to our food. And that was just, you know, we didn't really even think about it. Into the company now. Is that how the company thinks? You know, and I'd like to. I always like to because I don't think it's that that um, people make things too confusing. And I like to to like boil things down to really really simple things, right? So for me, I challenge myself and everybody that works at Ellis Kitchen to do the right thing. It is that simple. Now, as human beings. We know, most of the time, we know when we're not doing the right thing. And yeah. as human beings, like businesses, you know, we're just, business is really just obviously just a connection, a collection of people. We will make mistakes, right? We are far from perfect at Ellis Kitchen, right? The question is, when you realize you've done something wrong, what are you going to do about it? You're going to like sweep it on the carpet or you're going to go back and say, 
oh, we need to change that. And that's the mantra which I run the company in, to be honest, is just do the right thing. Yeah. And and Pete, and you find that your team and your staff, you know, what, what kind of loyalty does that create within people? How do they feel when they work there? Is it, it's funny because, you, you you know, you, you come on and you, and you sort of say, look, when is my time to move on? Like, mm. you know, you, everybody kind of has that period in their career where they love what they do, right? And you've always come on and said, look, when I, when I move on and I do move on, you know, as CEO and you rightly say, you might pass the reins to somebody else that you know that you've, you've loved what you've done there. You know, I think that's a really nice thing to be able to say. Um, and do you feel like the staff feel like that as well? Is that something that you feel has been cultivated throughout the team that work there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just on, on you know, like, as I said, I've just come up to 10 years. I don't want to be like Arsene Wenger, where Pete has announced I don't want people to start, like, chanting against me, like, get the old yeah, man. that's okay for the CEO team. To be fair, so I'm going to try and glean a bit of information and then we'll go from there. <laughs> He's run out of ideas. No, but, but I mean, yes, so, you know, we were in the Sunday Times, top 100 companies to work for five years running. Wow. Right? When we look at our net promoter score, which is a really good way and, uh, and much used way of measuring your staff's happiness, ours is off the scale. It's in the, like the top 2% of companies in the whole world. Okay, so my focus, I believe, my primary focus outside of our, our, our mission and what I care most about is ensuring that everyone at Ellis Kitchen is happy and fulfilled. Wow. And I know that if the people are happy and fulfilled, we will everything else will take care of itself. The P&L, the sales, everything that we do uh, with our consumers, I mean, everything will, will take care of itself. Um, and I'm a firm believer that, that, you know, people, if you boil it down, they want two things, right? From, from the place that they work. And they're both based around pride. I think people want pride in the company they work for. And that's being able to, well, if we could go to the pub, but imagine a world where we could go to the pub. You go to the pub and you talk to your friends and you're, you genuinely come alive and you say, I work at Ella's Kitchen and it means X, Y, Z and you are super passionate or you're talking to your parents. And that, for me, to have that real pride in the company, the company has to stand for something other than just making money. Making money doesn't give you that sense of pride. It doesn't give you that sense of, I'm going to talk to all of my friends. I have this. It inspires me every day. So, you know, we're going to talk about purpose, but for a company that has a real purpose and lives and breathes it, I think the more likes get people who are proud of that company. And the second thing, yeah. And this is also based around pride, is I think people want to have pride in the work that they do. And you cannot have, in my mind, you cannot have pride in the work that you do unless you have autonomy in the job that you are doing. And by autonomy, I mean actively making decisions yourself. So if, if, if you work for me and I told you what to do the whole time, all day, do this, do this, do this, you don't go home at the end of the day and, 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 and say to your wife, wow, I just had the most incredible day. I've achieved X, Y, Z. Like, no, it's really demotivating. People don't believe in me. They're not making, letting me make decisions. But if I say to you, hey, and we've got this problem, you know, can you, you know, can you think of ideas around it? And then you come up with solutions to the problem. You're going to go home and go, that was a really good day. I achieved something. Could you make a contribution? Yeah. So one of my big passions in, in running a company is 
living and breathing proper autonomy. So every single person in the business is actively making decisions. And I made a vow about three years ago, probably shouldn't be saying this on a podcast because my boss might listen to it at some stage. He's in the US. <laughs> it's unlikely. But, but I made a vow three years ago not to make another single decision in the business. <laughs> and when I tell people that, they laugh like you laughed. And, and, and I remember doing a talk back in the days, you know, when we could see people. And this guy in the front row just burst out laughing. And I said, what's so funny? And he said, what do you do all day? Like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, where's this idea come from that the CEO is making every single decision? I'm like, it's crazy. So, Adam, if you were the marketing director at Ella's Kitchen, you have been brought in to do a job. I'm not going to tell you how to do your marketing job. I'll have a chat with you. You come and ask my opinion. I'll give you my opinion. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. You are in charge of marketing. And I want that to go throughout the whole team. And if you do it properly, what you create is a series of leaders. And there's this brilliant book by this guy. I think it's the best business book I've ever read by this guy. He's become a friend of mine because he's called David Marquette. Um, yeah. And his book's called Turn the Ship Around. And he yeah. was put in charge. Have you read it? It's amazing. I haven't actually read it. No, no, I haven't read this. He was put in charge of an American nuclear submarine. And basically what happened was he was the captain and they changed it at the last minute and, 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 and put him in charge of the class of nuclear submarine that he, did, he didn't know anything about, really. And it was also the worst performing ship in the whole U.S. Navy, right? And he went there. And a few things happened in the first you know, few weeks. Um, you know, he, he was, they were out on exercise. And he said something like, I'm going to get it wrong, but he said something like, you know, left 250 up 250. And the guy next to him said, left 250 up 250. And the guy steering the ship, or whatever you call it, didn't do anything. He was like, this is a bit weird. So he said it a bit louder. And the next guy said it a bit louder. And the guy didn't do anything. So he went to the guy who didn't do anything. He said, um, why didn't you just uh, carry out the order that I gave you? The guy looked a bit sheepish. And he said, come on, why didn't you carry out the order I gave you? And he said, um, because we can't do that on this ship, sir. And he turned to the next guy who gave the order and said, what? did you just knowingly give an order that didn't make sense? And before the guy answered, he goes, you don't have to answer. I know the answer to that. And he thought, wow, I'm going to kill people because I don't know this ship. And they are expecting me to make all these decisions. Yeah. He basically ripped up the American Naval Rulebook, which he wasn't allowed to do. Um, instead of making decisions, he pushed decisions down throughout the entire ship. Um, and it's like super inspiring. And after six months, they had an inspection. After a year, they had an inspection. Um, and they got the highest marks ever recorded in U.S. naval history. Absolutely incredible. And he says it's really simple. If you came up against my ship, my submarine, you didn't stand a chance. Because, because every other submarine on the planet, you had one man making every single decision. He said, I don't care how clever you are as one person. I had 142 actively thinking, intelligent people who are experts in their area making decisions. He was like, you wouldn't stand a chance. Awesome. Um, it's absolutely amazing. But... Yeah, I remember I read, similar, I read a book called Maverick, which was about a Brazilian manufacturing company. And it was similar concepts of like he wanted Mavericks within his teams, right? So rather than him as the um, CEO or the managing director, 
didn't want to be involved in all the decision-making. Instead, he wanted to put Mavericks, who had their own ideas and their own things that they could bring to the table, in place and create some massive growth out of it. So you can absolutely see it. You know, again, which is really awesome, I think in a modern world, because frankly, that's what we're in right now, you know, you, there needs to be some differences, some changes. And I think that brings us on perfectly to where where you've been as a brand and as an individual, as a CEO. You know, you said that we had the mission running through within that business, mm-hmm. through baby food, but there was also in, some environmental things there as well that you wanted to consider. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that came about and, and what your ethos is and what a business should do? You were just telling me about, you know, how you feel business should play a, a more significant part in the world around us. And what are your opinions on that, Mark? I think it was a really interesting conversation there. Yeah, so this is a, another passion. I don't have that many passions, but this is another passion of mine. <laughs> We, Alice Kitchen, certified as something called the B Corporation in February 2016. And we were only the second company to achieve this certification whilst being part of a PLC. So we're owned by a US PLC. And the first company to achieve it was Ben & Jerry's, the ice cream company, yeah. part of Unity. Um, and what that means is, you know, we have met the highest social and environmental standards. And crucially, We've changed our Articles of Association at Companies House in the UK to commit, not just for this year, but forever, that we will take account of all stakeholders in running our business. In essence, we're committing to what you call the triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit. So we're not saying that profit is the most important thing. You know, the capitalism, you know, it's been wildly successful, right? It's really, really simple, you know. And actually, as a CEO of a division of a PLC, believe this or not, I have one fiduciary duty and one fiduciary duty only. And that is maximize shareholder return. Yeah. I don't have to care about the people that work for me. I don't have to care about the environment. In the capitalist system, which the vast majority of companies are, only those that are PLCs, you have a duty to make as much money as possible for your shareholders. And your job's um, performance based on that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and mostly the share price. Uh, and you think about that, and you think about what we've just gone through in the last year, you think about global warming, the issues we have with globalization, with all, you know, all of the social, societal, justice issues that we have, none of those can be solved if we are maximizing profit at the expense of everyone else. It, it just doesn't work. So it is actually the thing that I've been, not just in business, it's one of the things I've been most proud of is taking Ella's Kitchen through the certification process to commit to this new way of, of, of running a business. Um, and it, it's actually, it, it's meant more to me than anything else I've achieved in my career. And it's one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, and you're probably going to ask me why. <laughs> maybe you won't. And maybe you'll ask yourself. I was, of course. <laughs> Why was it the most proudest, uh, proudest moment, Mark? What well, was it about that? Well, so it's proof. It's a proof point. So when I meet people. I've never met a CEO who hasn't said they run an amazing company. Everybody is seemingly saving the world, yet the world isn't being saved and nothing's really changing, right? So the first thing I say to them is prove it. Take this really hard test. Prove that you are as great a company as you say you are. So. It's a proof point. 
it's that commitment to putting people, planet and profit on an equal footing. It's being part of a global movement that is literally trying to redefine how we measure success in business. So moving away from profit is the only thing that matters. But this is the thing, and I didn't realize this when we certified, if I'm being absolutely honest and transparent here, but this is the thing that has meant the most to me, hands down, right? Is we have realized that the impact we can have outside our little kitchen, I can't speak, we've realized that the impact that we can have at Ella's Kitchen is actually much wider than the people who work for us. So yes, we're 72 million. Yes, we're in 33 countries around the world. We're just under 100 people. There are over a million people that work in our supply chain. Over a million, right? Um, and I would say we have an opportunity, actually more than that, I would argue we have a responsibility to try and inspire all the companies that we work with to follow us and certify as B Corps. So we can we can influence all of those people's lives, right? So our Spanish manufacturer will shortly certify as a B Corporation. To enable this to happen, they have worked for two years. They now have solar panels on their roof. They now re- uh, harvest all of the rainwater. They have changed the gender and diversity makeup of their board and their senior team. They have put in a creche to enable parents. It's mainly women, actually, but it's, it's to enable parents to return to work. They have changed the workers' rights. They've changed their entire company because of us. Now, if I was a bit of a, a dick, which I'm not, if I walked around there, I don't think I am anyway, but um, if we walked, if I walked around their factory, I would know that every single person in that factory's lives would have been changed because they've certified as a B corporation, some in a massive way, some in a small way. And that's amazing. You know, they've halved their environmental footprint as a company. That's amazing. Um, and in two years' time, you can have me back, Adam, and I reckon I will be able to say to you, half of our suppliers will have certified as B corporations. And in doing so, committed. You stand like as as the company that helps that supply chain, helps them in business. You know, you're setting an example, most right, as to what people should be doing and people following that example. And do you feel that by following that example, they're going to have higher employee happiness themselves? Yeah, it's a, this is the, the the thing that's you know you touched on it before. The strange thing about this is, if you are only interested in making more money, which I'm not. But if you are only interested in making more money, this is the right way of running your company. You know, because if you have people that are happy and fulfilled and inspired at the work they do, they will produce better work. You'll have campaigns that connect better with, with consumers. In our industry, you know, you'll have people that go out and connect with retailers better and get more distribution. I mean, everything, it really is that simple. Awesome. Some yeah, some great comments there. Now, t- now, talking about some of the things you've done, obviously the branding of the company is very distinctive, right? Straight away, you can sell that product. Um, were you involved in the branding aspects of it and actually building that? And, you know, how did you look at that, even the website and things? Is that one of the market leaders that you put in place? Or did you have a direct impact on all of these different things within the business? How do you come to build a great brand in your eyes? Now, obviously, we've got the mission and the purpose running through the company. And obviously, that adds to the brand. What else do you think in terms of the branding is important to making a company stand out? I mean, there's a lot of people that be listening tonight that are probably small business owners. Uh, some of them are small business owners. 
And what is it you would say to them about getting their brand to stand out and building their business is important from a branding perspective? Um, well, firstly, it's important to me to say that it wasn't me that, that, that comes up with any of this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I'm the person that claims all the credit. So it's it's the team that... that How do you um, get into that situation, Mark? How do we get to the point where we're claiming the credit? But this is a thing because you'll be playing it down a little bit because it sounds like you're giving people the freedom to think, right? Which is what you... And the freedom to think, make decisions and encouraging them, right? And, yeah. and does that mean you let people fail? You're, if somebody fails, but they've made a decision... How do you respond to that? Are you, you know, is it from a management perspective? How do you go and respond to that? I'd be interesting to hear. So you, that they make that decision and it goes horribly wrong. What, what, how would, how do you manage that? Be interested to hear. Well, I mean, you know, we'd learn from it and move on. I mean, it really is that simple. Like, I, I, it's become a bit of a cliche now, hasn't it? Like, you've got to make mistakes, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but it, but it's true. You know, I remember. I said this to my, my, my dad, and he said, I, I don't remember saying this. I'm like, you definitely said this. So um, we used to go on one skiing holiday, uh, one holiday a year when I was younger. Um, and it was a skiing holiday. And I remember, I must have been about nine years old, and I'd got through the whole day and hadn't fallen over. And I was so chuffed with myself. I was so proud. I was like, yes, I've nailed it. Like everyone else fell over in my family. And I said to my dad, you know, I didn't fall over today. And without missing a beat, he just turned, turned around and looked at me and said, we didn't try hard enough, did you? And that's something that's kind of lived with me is, you know, mistakes have to be welcomed. There is no blame game. There is nothing as divisive um, in a company to a company culture as the blame game. And also, if you have a, a blame game culture in your business, you will have no creativity. You have zero creativity. There's a great uh, TED talk by Sir Ken Robinson. Actually, I think it's the best TED talk ever. And he talks about creativity. And he says, you know, kids have a great creativity when they're younger because they're not afraid to be wrong. And he's like, you will never come up with something creative if you're not prepared to be wrong. Um, so for me, you know, you have to, you, you know, make a mistake, you learn from it, you move on. I mean, you don't want to make whoppers. We did make some whoppers when we were growing up as a business. Someone once sent our entire company accounts to Tesco so they could see what we were making on the product that we supplied them with. That wasn't ideal. You don't want to do that again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got to be encouraged. You can't give people autonomy and then criticize them for making mistakes. I mean, I make loads of mistakes. We all make loads of mistakes. Oh, absolutely. So in terms of the market you serve, you serve the obviously the, the baby market mainly. That's the, the main, and you're now market leader in that, right? In terms of baby, which is amazing because you you weren't, were you? You know, and you've come out of the blocks and you've gained that market share. What is the connection with the client like for you? How do you, you know, one thing I I, I thought was interesting is that it's actually a book by one of the founders that had been written about thinking through the eyes of a toddler. When you think about this, do you try and really connect with the client and understand your client at a deep level? One of the things that we constantly train our um, our clients on is that understand the people that you're serving, right, and understand them quite deeply. Is that something that there is some emphasis on within that business? We say? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, nearly 70%, I think, of the people that work at Ellis Kitchen are parents, which yeah. means we've always had a lovely last 12 months uh, homeschooling. Um, but, 
so that that gives us a particular personal insight into the market because we've we've all been in that market at some stage. I, I would say, I think this is my personal opinion, right? Um, a brand is not a brand unless it emotionally connects with you in some way. So if you don't feel something towards a brand, then it can be replaced with a own label product. Right. Or, or if the product does the same thing, you know, then, you know, you have to have that emotional connection. Right. And I think okay, I, love that. I love that one, Mark. That's awesome. Right. I think that's really, really, really interesting. But I've got to give you a follow up question on that, unfortunately. Okay. Well, so, I'm, 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 we are, <laughs> before you give me a hard question, um, <laughs> Our, our making friends team, because that's our what we call our marketing team. They are experts at emotionally connecting with our consumers, with our parents. That is what we do. We are a very emotional brand, and you're right. We everything that we do, we do from a children's point of view. So through children's eyes, everything. So you talked about the pouch, you know, the colours, the yeah. font, that, that it's tactile. You know, we got get videos sent in by by. Our consumers of, of of their kids, you know, playing with the pouch and going, oh, where have my baby food? Why have your baby food? Because they get so excited about it. You know, all of our communications, all of our PR, everything that you see from us, the website, it is all designed around that because parents are their most emotional when yeah. you've had children. So we are there to hold your hand and help you through the weaning journey. And we want to be your, you know, your best friend through that journey, but emotionally connecting and seeing everything through the children's point of view, or the other brands see it from parents' point of view. Well, you know, we don't. You know, we, you know, we campaign for children, not for parents, for children. I think it's an incredible point about actually feeling something as a brand. Mm-hmm. I, I think you kind of answered my, my follow-up question, which was how do you make someone feel something about your brand? You know, I think it's important. But you've kind of said is that you're seeing it through their eyes. Is that how would you, you would say that? Yeah. And what's interesting is you said you call your marketing team the making friends team. Yeah. Well, so, so bro, bro, I love that. Bro, 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 our yeah. finance team is, is the sums team. Our operations team is clockwork. <laughs> and it's very much you know the whole culture of the place. If you came to Ellis Kitchen, you know when I take my children to Ellis Kitchen, they absolutely love it. They just want to be there the whole time. It's, for them, it's like a kid's playground. Everything we do, you know, we completely submerge ourselves in, in children's worlds because children are amazing. They're so inspiring. You know, we're talking about how creative they are. Amazing. Um, and everything, everything we do is from a child's point of view. Okay. I think that's a really, really good point. And it's a really good culture for the brand in that this is the way we're going to do it right and and then to follow through on that which is pretty awesome right amazing stuff and i think there's a lot of people that work in corporate companies that understand what you're saying that haven't had that autonomy before and it's probably unusual for them you know um to especially in a plc that is unusual in a plc isn't it you know it's uh very very political sometimes it's really interesting that you built that culture so having been in business now for for that period of time and been on that journey and the aspect of community which is is something that you seem to be building what, what's your opinion on building a, a community for the business is that that you serve you you said you're doing a lot of work in the community with charity where did that come from you know is that something you wanted to 
Was that something that um, you just felt was the right thing to do? How did you go about doing that? And, and where do you feel that that gives back to the business in a way? Well, not everything gives back to the business. <laughs> you know, it's like our commitment to become a net zero business yeah. by 2030. You know, that, that, that doesn't make financial sense. And you know, when we talk about, when we talk about um, well, it makes financial sense in the fact that if all businesses don't do it by 2050, there won't be a planet for us to live on. But, um, you know, there's lots of stuff that we do that doesn't pay back financially. But we do it because that's why we're in business. So, you know, when I talked about uh, prioritizing, you know, our, our charity partners like Fair Share, who distribute much needed food to those that can't afford it, th- there is no payback for the business. No, no financial payback. In fact, I, you know, I, I was challenged um, by a journalist two days ago. Uh, two days ago, Mo- on Monday. God, I'm, I'm losing the week already. So on <laughs> Monday. Uh, you know, so you, you didn't have a very good year in the last 12 months because you only grew at 2%. And I wanted to say, well, that's just a number. It doesn't really mean anything to me. It's just a number. If it was 7%, would you be saying, wow, that's absolutely amazing, or 8%? Well, you've had an amazing year. I mean, yeah. it's just a number, right? I'm not going to, you know, when I'm on my deathbed at the end of my days, I'm not going to be looking back and going, I wish that 2% was 8%. That really would have meant something to me. <laughs> and, and she was saying, so it wasn't a really very successful year to you. And I was like, well, I want to challenge that, actually. I thought it was a really successful year for us as, as a business because we grew market share in the UK in a declining market, which is why we didn't increase sales more than 2%. I said, but actually, as a B Corp, you know, we have profit, planet, and people. We, we decided to actually to push the planet and push people as the two things we were going to focus on. We're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with tragically, I lost my managing director 10 days before the first lockdown. And I'm like, we've focused on the our people. You know, within a week of lockdown happening, I said to everybody, everybody, no matter how, this is before the furlough scheme was even thought about, no matter how much work you are able to do, you will be paid indefinitely. If you cannot do any work because you are homeschooling, and by the way, I said, you know, I want you all to prioritize yourself, your well-being, your mental health, right? If you cannot do any work because you're homeschooling, that is absolutely fine. You've just got to let us know so someone else can hopefully pick up that work or we just stop doing that work. But you are the most important thing. I can say that. <laughs> I said, I can see why they love you. I mean, that, that would have been... You know, was that quite an emotional message to deliver? Did people get emotional about it? Uh, it was quite an emotional message to deliver. It was emotional for me. Um, but it's important, right? I mean, we were facing extraordinary circumstances. People yeah. worried about their jobs. It's like, your jobs are all safe. We were having record sales. Like, yeah. why would I be thinking about, you know, pulling back or, or, or firing people that couldn't work? It's like, no, I wanted them to know this is what a family looks like. This is what, a you know... B Corp business looks like we look after you. Awesome. Uh, and and the other thing I said to the journalist is, you know, we've committed to be a net zero business by 2030. We put science-based targets in. We've made great strides towards it. We, you know, uh, halved our footprint, obviously, because of travel and stuff, but we're going to use all of those savings to put back into being net zero. I'm like, we've done some incredible things this year yeah. that I'm extremely proud of. I love the point that you said in terms of I'm not just going to judge my year on 
I'm just a number. And I think that's the, I think there's a big lesson in there for a smaller business owner that's listening tonight is, frankly, you know, most people's numbers would have gone backwards, most people's, right? There'll be a few businesses out there that because of certain circumstances, they've maybe pushed forward, right? High demand for products or service. Most people have probably not made the progress that they wanted to make from a financial perspective, right? But it isn't all about that. It's how much have you developed what it is you've done? You know, how much have you developed your business? And are you enjoying the journey? You know, I think that is an important thing because you're almost in a way saying that, aren't you? But you've got to enjoy the journey. And if you enjoy the journey, you know, that might be better than the 2 3%. I think that's a good lesson for some of the people that are listening tonight from a business perspective. Because I think so many people, especially in a small business, are so ready to get stressed out and so ready to be, be influenced by, by the finances that they forget how much progress they're actually making. You know, so I think that's a really, really, really good point. There's a lot of people saying this, that's amazing. A lot of companies do, um, do not have the same compassion. Absolutely. And do you know what? It's very clear that there is an emotional connection from the message that's running through the business, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, which is pretty cool. Uh, really, really cool. I've got a question for you, Adam. Yeah, okay. Nearly every single person on this planet that this relates to, right? How do you think people get... Uh, fulfillment at work in one way and one way only. Do you have a guess what that is? So you want me to guess what I feel that people get? You told me about 20 minutes ago, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Did I? Uh, it's helping other people. Help, oh, helping other people, right, of course, yeah. That, that's it. That is how you get fulfillment at work, helping other people. It's not winning. It's not making more money, right? That is how you get real deep, fulfillment at work is helping other people that's it yeah we've seen we've seen loads of companies do it throughout the pandemic and i i feel that we've all had this you know this time most of us have this time if you're not a key worker um to think about our lives and actually what gives us happiness and what gives us that fulfillment and i hope things are going to change as we demand change from businesses, the businesses we work for, the businesses we buy from, the businesses we do business with. Um, yeah, it's helping other people. Absolutely. You know, I, I do 100% agree with that. And, and I've been, having had a, a business where I had 100 staff myself, I was do, we were doing around not quite 70 million, but we were like 40 million pound a year in the automotive industry. And I didn't get the same level of fulfillment out of doing that anywhere near what I do out of doing what I do now, like what I do now where I help people and I give people, uh, you know, some help and some breakthroughs and help them to build their businesses gives me much, much more fulfillment. I had a message today off one of my long-standing clients that um, I haven't spoke to actually probably for about a year. And he sent me a voice note and just said, Adam, you know, I really want to just say to you, I really, really appreciate everything that you've done. You know, we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are. And I was speaking uh, from the state agent industry. So, like, we wouldn't be anywhere near that if we didn't have guidance and have blah, 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 blah. And he hasn't been a client for a year, right? And for me, that I was actually, you know, that is very rewarding. It's not, you know, he hasn't been a client for a year. It doesn't matter. He's not paying me, but he still wants to reach out and express how grateful, grateful he is. I think that's pretty awesome, right? So I 100% know where you're coming from. And I, and I think that there is a, um, there is a real emphasis on, on that. I mean, for me, transferring that message to the people that are, um, that, that were listening tonight, I think that as a, as a business owner, they need to enjoy the journey. 
And would you say it's important to find their purpose? You know, how, how important do you think that is? Let's say, let's take Ella's Kitchen. You were there when you started at the beginning 10 years ago. You became involved and there was a purpose there already. So that had been created. Mm. Like how central to the success of that business do you think the underlying purpose was of what you wanted to do? Mm. How much has impacted the success? That's a really, really good question. I would say it's it's integral. It's been integral to the success of the business because it it means there's this truth at the core of the business. There's this truth, and you know, I remember this is six, seven years ago. We were trying to do a Rusk product, and Rusks it would have been a you know it's a big subcategory in baby food. Clients do they got the Barley's Rusk, right? Yeah. Um, like, um, I even remember having rusks. Yeah, I'm like, right. Well, there you go. So, so I mean, it's a massive opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's a massive sales opportunity for us. Yeah, uh, and we had this eighteen-month project to try and do what we, to, what we we classed a healthy rusk. Um, so we were trying to do it without sugar, um, and at all. And we just couldn't get it to, we couldn't get the product to bind. And anyway, we, we managed to, to, to concoct this, this rusk biscuit. There was better than what, what we would term, I'm not going to criticize competitors because I can't do that, but what, what we would class as, you know, better from a, a health and nutrition point than anything else on the market. And I remember we were having this conversation and we have this independent nutritionist. And we all went round the table saying what we thought about it, you know, whether we should do it, big sales opportunity, or we're going to make lots of money and everything. Uh, and she wasn't looking very happy. And I said to her, well, what do you think? And she said, well, it's, a, and I went, it's not a well here, Claire. It's, should we be doing this? Looking at our mission, should we be doing this product, the product that we produce? And she said, no. And that was it. We didn't do it. We spent tens of thousands of pounds on this product. We were going to make lots of money from it. But her call as the independent nutritionist was, if you're serious about uh, children's health and nutrition, you should not be doing this product. So we're like, that was it. And that meant so much to the people in the room. They were like, okay, this is pretty cool. There is something, there is a truth. It definitely makes the business authentic, doesn't it? A hundred percent when you say no to something like that for yeah. the core of the business, there is actually, you know what, we are on, we we are really doing what we said we want to do. And that yeah. and that will be, did that create a really good connection? You feel? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So it's a good question for some of the people that are listening tonight to be asking themselves, you know, what is your, what is your purpose? Do you have a mission? Do you have something that you want to go and achieve? You know, and do you think like, um, I imagine Mark that, you know, from a North, a lot of uh, corporate companies have like a North star principle, right? Which is sort of what we're talking about here. Do you feel, is that in a way like your North star in terms of the way that you look at that business saying, right, look, this is the North star we're following. We're always going to look to this guideline. Is that, does that come into, how frequently does that get mentioned throughout your business, you know, uh, in terms of the way that you're providing food for children? How frequently does that get discussed? Is it like all the time? Yeah, I mean, people listen to the podcast won't see that I was smiling when you were talking about a lot of corporate companies have North Stars. They do. It's like we all have, you know, most companies now have... Small businesses. The reason I say it, right, is there'll be people on tonight 
that don't have a North Star. They don't have that at all, right? And, and if they don't have a, a North Star or a guiding principle, then it's quite often that they're going to be took off track, right? Because they haven't really got anything that they're aiming for, right, potentially. So we're just trying to get across that from yourself, someone that's been in that business, built it to a massive business, 70 million pound a year, market leader. I just want to try and get that message across to the audience. How important is it to have something that you are in your business? You know, I think that's quite important. Well, I, I, for us, it's crucial. And yeah. I've said that before. It, re- it really is. It, it's fundamentally, it's, it's the only reason why we're in business. And everything else sort of takes care of itself. Um, so it is really important. Um, but I, I'm not giving the advice that I think it's essential for all businesses. No. Because I'm not sure that would be true. But a lot of companies are retrofitting, certainly larger companies are retrofitting purpose into their business because yeah. they have, have seen that it, it can make them more money. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like values, you know, company values. Uh, most companies, large, uh, medium, medium and large size companies, have company values. They have them printed yeah. on the wall. You walk yeah. into an yeah. office, you can see them printed on the wall. Well, yeah, but are they properly living and breathing? Though? Are they making decisions that don't pay back commercially on them? You know, when you when when you look at um, I don't know Enron, biggest corporate scandal ever. You know that what their first corporate value was integrity. Arthur <laughs> uh, Anderson, who, who who shredded twenty million documents in the Enron scandal, their first value, integrity. Well, I don't think they understood what integrity means. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the issues we've had with various car companies fitting cheap devices um, yeah. to their diesel cars. You know, that shouldn't happen. You know, if a company is properly living and breathing its values, that does not happen. Yeah. If it it has a proper North Star. That just simply does not happen. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, a r- really interesting conversation, really interesting perspective, you know, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, everything that you're saying there is sometimes if you're going to let a PR company come up with your purpose, you've got, probably got a problem there, haven't you? <laughs> it needs to come from within the business, something that everyone wants to do, you know, something that everyone feels behind and can get behind, something that unites you rather than you something that you're doing just for the sake of it, you know, saying integrity is a big thing. And then if you honor that and don't say, it, you know, that's kind of where we're going, isn't it, right? Uh, pretty awesome. So, look, you know, I think it's been really, really um, great ha- having a chat. I mean, the last thing I wanted to cover off is a lot of our audience are massively into social media, right? And, you know, I've noticed from um, from having a look at your social media channels, and you still go and follow Ella's Kitchen. They're doing some really cool stuff. Go and follow them on Instagram. Go and follow them on uh, Facebook or Instagram, whatever the whatever channel you're using more. How important has that been within your business? And, and how, do you have an involvement in that, Mark, do you think? Or do you, ha- do you look at it? Do you get involved in it? Is it something that you've been behind? Or do you have some good creative minds that you kind of work with on that? How does that work? What's your involvement at the top on that? Yeah, yeah, like none. I'm too old, you know. <laughs> I don't understand these things. You know, the, the, the cool kids at Ellis, they, I mean, we, we are experts at social media, and I'm using we liberally because it's not me. <laughs> it's the team. I mean, they are absolutely brilliant. Uh, engagement, you know, we. I remember a year ago, isn't it, because of lockdown, but it's about a year and a half ago we went to YouTube because we wanted to learn how we could increase our engagement on their channels and they laughed at us and said we use you as the example of uh, yeah. <laughs> really 
yeah, best in class. And we're like, oh, well, that's quite nice, but we want to be better. And they just sort of shake their heads. Um, so, you know, we have great partners, but we have we just have a great team that, that understand it and have the autonomy. And they're failing and trying things. In a different way, as CEO, that you're not maybe in the nuts and bolts of it. What do you think the importance is that you've seen from, from that business or just in general business, social media for businesses right now? How important do you think it's becoming? Well, for our industry, it's just, it's absolutely essential because it's where parents are, you know, middle of the night, <laughs> you're feeding your, your baby, spit stressed, you're like you're going on Facebook for some, for some advice. So for us, it's absolutely essential. It doesn't mean it is for all businesses, but it's been... Do you yeah. use that, like that statement you just made sounded like an education-based marketing statement then? So do you do a lot of education-based stuff where you're telling people and helping people with their is, – is that part of the strategy, is it? Well, fundamentally, we're, as a brand, we are there to hold people's hands as they go through the weaning journey. Awesome. If you spoke to our, our Making Friends team, they'd tell you something else, but that's what I feel we're there to do. We're not there to sell you more Ella's Kitchen products. We're there to help you through what can be quite a stressful journey. That's yes. it. Yes, you know, we'll educate, we'll have fun, we'll put, you know, videos up that are going to make you smile. We're not going to make it stressful. We're not going to tell you what you're doing is wrong. And we're here to help. And that goes through our customer care team, you know, the marketing, you know, everything. Um no, I think I think it's all, yeah, it sounds it sounds awesome, and it sounds like a brick. Like if I break that down for uh, actually say to the audience, you know, no wonder you're building an emotional connection because you're not trying to pitch them; you're trying to say, "Hang on, do you need some help?" You know, what is it you need some help with? And you're going to get much different response, yeah, and you're going to get much different engagement because if you build that education into your marketing and that help, and you know, it's going to have a much much bigger impact. You know, I think it is really, really interesting to see somebody heading up a company that's a PLC doing £70 million a year and saying, actually, my, my main focus is on the people and, my, you know, my other focus is on environment and the profit comes – I'm not saying you're saying the profit comes first because it could get you in trouble there, but you're saying that they're, they're, they've got an equal responsibility, yeah, which is awesome. I think it's uh, really, really inspiring and, and the connection to the purpose and the things you've done with the business. I mean, for me, you know, big congratulations. You've achieved some massive things with that company being number one in market share and, and the things that you're most proud of in terms of the, environment, uh, the environmental aspects are awesome too. So, uh, you know, big, big congrats. I love the brand. I think it's a really, really cool brand. Um, and, and everything that everyone's worked on, it's done really, really well. And I'm sure everyone's been listening tonight would agree. You know, I just want to say a big thank you, Mark. Is there anything you wanted to add on tonight or anything that you wanted to close off saying to the audience? I mean, a lot of business owners here, if you wanted to maybe – share that message and or even give them a challenge you know what can they do to you know improve uh, their aspect what would you say what would your final message be tonight god that's really difficult um coming totally put me on <laughs> i would say go out and i'm only saying this because we did this recently and it was just like it, it was super cool at ellis go and ask your whole team what three things they need to do every day in your business to get fulfillment at work. And it's really interesting that um, there's Ellis in front with the whole team and pretty much you know, five things came up with all the people. So you chose three things, right? But there are only like five things that came up. It's pretty much 
universal what people choose. And I think it'd be a really interesting way to ensure that your staff are happy. So just go and interrogate them and find out. I think it'd be quite a cool thing to do. Mark Challenges, and we've just got that. I'm going to put it up on the screen now. Mark Challenge to everyone that's a business owner. Go and ask your team three things that they need to get fulfillment at work and see what the responses are uh, from the team or the people you work with. And even if you work in a working environment, you've got a team that you work with, go and ask them that and see what the responses are. Have you got a prediction? Slightly different, slightly different. It's go and ask your team the three things they need to do every day to get fulfillment. Three things they need to do, yeah? Yeah. Okay, go and ask your team three things they need to do. So, what is your prediction, Mark? Give us your prediction. What do you think they need to do? Well, when we asked the team at at Ellers, the the top three were have a sense of purpose. Yeah. So, feel that that what I am doing is important. Number two was being valued. We all want to be valued. Um, and number three was helping other people. And it's interesting when you think of those three, they all work perfectly together, but they can all work against each other. So if you're not feeling valued, you're less likely to reach out and help somebody in your team or in another team, and then you'll feel less valued. So those were the three that came up time and time again. And, and how did you... I'll give you a final question, right? So we've already been, we've, but I find it really interesting. Really interesting. It sounds like the methodologies are slightly different from from a usual company, which is awesome, right? And I love that because I love learning myself and seeing things that are different. So having that information now and having those three things, how did you use that? To what? what how did you use that to benefit the company or the company's mission? Well, so. I think the most interesting thing is for the people themselves. Um, so when you've written down the three things that you know you know you need to do every day to get fulfilled. So I know what the three things are for my entire senior team. Yeah. So in my one-to-ones, once a month, I'll say, how are you getting on with those three things? And I'll get, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, hold on a right. So if it's feeling valued, are you feeling valued? And they'd be like, yeah, actually, I am. You know, you did this and this, and I'd be doing great. It shows that you can, that you listen. Um, well, actually, one really random question, right? And especially yeah. anyone who's listening to, uh, anyone's listening, you can tell me in the comments if you watch this. Have you watched the show, Ted Lasso? No, I haven't. But I, somebody texted me yesterday saying I've got to watch it. I can tell you what, I think you'll love it. Okay. Ted Lasso. Okay. Ted Lasso. It's about an uh, American... Uh, American football coach that comes over. Literally just just send it to me. Okay, I'm going to swap something with that. I'm going to say something that I think all of your um, listeners should watch. It's a documentary, and it's called The Biggest Little Farm. You can watch it with your children if you've got children, or you watch it on your own. It was from a few years ago, and it was filmed over eight years, and it's this couple that decide to set up a farm in the US and it is moving and inspiring and it shows the power of nature and what we can achieve. It's absolutely brilliant. Cool. I've made a note of that. I'll check it out and I'll let you know. So I want to say a big thank you tonight, Mark, for coming on. It's been awesome. It's been really, really interesting. I've loved the different perspectives. Um, I think it's great to, you know, a lot of the people on this evening would have known the products, used the products, and it's great to actually hear 
you know, what we've, I think we've heard tonight is a real insight into the company's culture, the company's mission, uh, some of the values and some of the things you're doing, which are amazing. So uh, I want to say a big thank you for joining on tonight. It's been absolutely awesome. And uh, thank you to everyone that's watched. So uh, we give them a little wave to remark and say goodbye, good evening, everybody. And thank you for joining us. It's been an awesome episode of Business Growth Secrets. Hey everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.